Broncos country was very down on Sean Payton during the one and five start, but now everywhere you look, the, the he's being praised, right? It's Sean Sean Payton fever has swept Denver, right? We've we've come a long way from him being on the quote unquote hot seat when we were talking. And, you know, I was pounding the table saying he's not on the hot seat. Sean Payton's here for the extended future unless he wants to leave. Uh, but now nobody's got a problem with it anymore, right, John? Because he is, I, I think the coaching is shining through in these games. And you're seeing that the Broncos want to play and win a certain way. And right now they are following the rules and they're doing it Sean Payton's way. They're they're buying what he's selling in the meetings, John, and it's working for him. And it's, it's kind of cool to see. Welcome in to the Broncos Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined as always by my good friend, John Heath, managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. If you're finding the podcast for the first time, leave us a rating and a review. If you could subscribe, all that good stuff. That's the best way you could support us. And we do appreciate it. If you love Broncos commentary from guys wearing orange and blue goggles, this is the place to be at least this week. Am I right, John? Yes, sir. Yes, it definitely is. I mean, I'm, how can you not have orange and blue goggles right now when this team's on a five game winning streak? And, and like we talked about the Bills game, maybe that was a little fluky. The Vikings game, like they barely escaped with a one point win. But when you have a convincing win like that on the Browns on Sunday, this team has won five in a row. And against this Browns team, a good AFC team, like the Broncos look legit. They look like a real team. Now they're six and five right in the mix for the playoffs. Uh, The Colts are ahead of them just by a tiebreaker. But to be in this position right now, after they were one and five to start the season, it's it's wild. And like I said, it's it's impossible to not be feeling good about them. Yeah, six and five, <laughs> six and five, John. It's like, it's unbelievable. Uh, and I, I do think this was a real win. I don't care if it was Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker playing quarterback. Uh, the Browns, I think they've had crappy quarterback play all year, even when Deshaun Watson was under center. It's not, the quarterback isn't really how they, they do things over there. They've got the best defense in football in terms of yards allowed, and they're among the best in rushing, even with Nick Chubb out of the lineup. They're one of the best in the business at running the football. And, the fact that Denver was able to dominate from start to finish, you score points in every quarter, you finish with 29 points against the Browns, that's a real win. I, I almost put more stock in a win like that, John, when you score 29 points and control the game against that team than I do against even that Chiefs game when you could look at all the turnovers and say, well, what happens if the Chiefs don't turn it over five times? Maybe that's a different ball game, right? I almost think when you control a team and kind of beat them up and beat them at their own game because isn't that the Browns like they want to play a low scoring defensive running the football kind of game like that's how the Browns want to play that's how they usually go into a a play and push you around a little bit and the Broncos knock them around so I'm color be impressed John I I ordered the the orange and blue goggles they they got here just in time I put them on for the show I'm I'm here I'm with you my friend I'm with you but give me your leadoff thought off the game what'd you think Yeah, I think exactly what you said. They beat them at their own game. The Browns, they go in, they want to run over you, especially like you said, now they're on their backup quarterback and then their backup got knocked out of the game with a head injury as well. So, But even even with Deshaun Watson, like you said, they are a run-heavy team, a defensive team. It's it's that classic AFC North style of football. And then the Broncos go in there and they say, nope, we're going to beat you at your own game. The Broncos rush 169 yards compared to 107 for the Browns. And 107 is not terrible, but the Broncos outpace them at their own game. The Broncos build a lead, force the Browns to have to throw, and that really neutralizes them. The Broncos ended up with four QB sacks, 
Russell Wilson was only sacked one time in part because of the game flow that the Broncos established, being able to build a lead and, and run the ball. And Miles Garrett had no sacks. He came into the NFL or he came into the game leading the NFL with 13 sacks. Broncos offensive line just shut him down. Garrett Bowles did a phenomenal job. Miles Garrett didn't have a single sack. He didn't even have a single quarterback hit. And, and part of that was the way the Broncos schemed it up, like Sean Payton and the staff. A lot of plays, a tight end would chip him. Sometimes a running back would chip him on his way out. But there were moments where Bowles was one-on-one with him, and Bowles just held up. There's a, a clip that went kind of viral on Twitter of Bowles just taking Miles Garrett from one side of the field and just blocking him all the way over to the other side of the field. It was on that play when Russell Wilson bought time and threw that touchdown pass to Adam Troutman, which that was also a very nice um, Cortland Sutton impression by Adam Troutman getting his knee down and his bottom down in the end zone for a touchdown that play. But, yeah, just like you said, they, they beat the Browns at their own game. They were physical with them. They ran the ball. They protected the ball. And their takeaway streak continued. The, the defense is just so aggressive, forcing uh, turnovers, forcing fumbles and recently they've been forcing interceptions they didn't get any on Sunday but that's in part because the Browns you know run the ball so much but yeah it's just this like we've said in previous weeks it's a winning formula and the Broncos they continue to have success running the ball they continue to force takeaways on defense like and, and Russell Wilson himself protects the ball it's been weeks since Russell Wilson has thrown interceptions so if they keep playing like this they really can keep this winning streak going yeah, man, it, it's impressive. It's impressive. I have some thoughts on the, all the takeaways Denver's gobbled up over the win streak coming up later. It's it's wild. It's it's wild when you break it down game by game. They are uh, they they've been unbelievable. They've won the turnover battle in all five of these games. Each one they've won. Some of them they've won the turnover battle by a, just a glaring margin. You remember the Chiefs and Bills game? I have thoughts on that here coming up. We'll do that later. Uh, the coaching, right, John? It's really shining through. You mentioned. Uh, Miles Garrett kind of being a no-show in this game. That comes down to the coaching. Uh, Broncos country was very down on Sean Payton during the one and five start, but now everywhere you look, the, the he's being praised. Right? It's Sean Sean Payton fever has swept Denver. Right? We've we've come a long way from him being on the quote-unquote hot seat when we were talking. And you know, I was pounding the table saying he's not on the hot seat. Sean Payton's here for the extended future unless he wants to leave. Uh, but now nobody's got a problem with it anymore, right, John? Because he is. I think the coaching is shining through in these games and you're seeing that the Broncos want to play and win a certain way. And right now they are following the rules and they're doing it. Sean Payton's way They're They're buying what he's selling in the meetings, John, and it's working for him. And it's, it's kind of cool to see. Yeah, it is working so much of last season. We talked about Nathaniel Hackett and how he was so incompetent that the Broncos didn't even need a good coach last season. They just needed a competent coach. And then when Hackett was fired and Jerry Rosberg came in, he, he just provided competence. Suddenly the Broncos were a good team again to finish the year. And then this year, you know, again, they get someone who's not only competent, but a very accomplished, very good head coach. And like you said, it's huge because he does things like scheme away to take Miles Garrett out of game. He does things like Russell Wilson coming off the worst season of his career. Sean Payton tailors his offense, protect him. Russell Wilson has 20 touchdown passes and four interceptions, the best touchdown to interception ratio in the NFL. And a year ago, everybody was saying Russell Wilson was washed, you know, a terrible quarterback. The Broncos got to cut him and just move on. And, and now he, you know, he's has some of the best numbers in the NFL. And it's not because... Wilson was 
uh, well, I mean, it's not solely because Wilson was a bad player last year and a good player this year. Like he's still Russell Wilson. He's been the player that he's been. It's just Nathaniel Hackett did not scheme the offense to him. He did not scheme into strengths and Sean Payton has, and Sean Payton has protected him at part of it. I think is Sean Payton giving him more freedom to leave the pocket, extend plays with his legs by time and even design running plays. He's on pace to uh, like, he's, I think two carries away from the total amount of carries he had all of last season. He's 11 rushing yards away from the total amount of rushing yards he had last year. So he's just being more mobile. And yes, a lot of it is kind of dink and dunk stuff in the passing game, but he has an arm so they can open it up. They do take some shots down the field. I know a lot of fans would like them to see them do more of that, but part of the reason Russell Wilson has been so good protecting the ball and only has four interceptions is because Sean Payton's giving him a lot of manageable passes. They had red zone struggles earlier in the season, but they were a lot better on Sunday against the Browns. And again, like I said, like if this trend continues, if the Broncos keep trending up like this, like this, this is something that it could be legit. Like at some point, it's not a fluke. Like somebody could say, well, the Chiefs game, like Patrick Mahomes was sick. It's a division rival. At some point, the streak's going to end. But like, you go time, 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 like five times in a row. It's not a fluke anymore. And the Broncos are the real deal. They're a real team. And they have like they have a legitimate, legitimate shot to get in the playoffs. And we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago and talked about like, can the Broncos get to 10 wins? And I'll be honest, Ryan, you were more hesitant about me about it than I was. <laughs> I was I'm curious to hear. I'm curious to hear now, like as we look ahead to the playoff picture, like do you think now – that 10 wins is more realistic or are you still thinking like nine and eight? How do you feel about that? Well, I just remember when I, when we, I had Brandon Walker on during the bye week your correspondent writer on Broncos wire. We, we did this conversation back then and I was just like, that's a, it's cute. It's just cute, Brandon. Let's yeah. Let's talk about the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like I just, it was kind of, to me, I, I found that conversation kind of ridiculous, but it was fun. It was a fun little talking point. Uh, oh no. Now they're, they're in it. They're in it. They're they're squarely in it, John. Right? They're they're ninth in the uh, in the standings, uh, or I guess the conference standings. But you now have the head to head over Denver and Buffalo. Buffalo lost last week, right? They almost beat Philly, but they lost. You have a chance to get the head to head over the Texans because you play them next. We'll talk about those guys next week. Uh, at Pittsburgh, I'm not a big believer in those guys. I mean, you look at the teams ahead of them. The Colts, not a big believer in the Colts either. So you take a look at the teams ahead of them. It's like they're really in it. They're really in it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, John. I'm with you. I, I think the the playoff talk, the path, there is definitely a path now. Uh, I, I didn't think it a couple weeks ago. I thought they were going to lose this game to the Browns. But this is the game, I think, that really that really opened Convinced my eyes. You. Yep, this is this yeah. is an eye-opener for me. And, and again, I know the Browns had backup quarterbacks out there, but I don't. I don't care. The Browns beat teams with their backup quarterback. It's the, I just thought the style of play, the Browns versus the Broncos, the way the Broncos have been playing offense, that, you know, you, you, you know, you use that phrase. I've used it in the past too. the dink and dunk, the short passing, the ground control. Let's not make mistakes. Well, the Browns are a team that with Miles Garrett, their pass rush, and they just wreck games on you. They force turnovers. They, they ruin games. They shut you down. They don't let the quarterback run on them, and, and Russell Wilson ran all over them, John. I mean, they literally, the Broncos literally did things to the Browns that they don't allow uh, against other teams. It was really impressive. My eyes are open, and I think 
I think there's a path to the playoffs. I can't sit here and fight it anymore, John. I would if I could. You know me. I like to be. I like to play that side of the fence if I can on the podcast. But I'm yeah. I'm starting to believe now, and th- that Browns game is a big reason why. Yeah, uh, that's what I like to hear. And we'll we'll get a little bit more into the Texans game, so I won't get too deep into Houston. But this game coming up against the Texans, Broncos and Texans are both six and five. The Texans are above Denver right now in the order. So this, if the Broncos manage to beat the Texans and improve to seven and five. Depending on how the other games go, like depending on what happens with the Colts and stuff, next week, like when we record at this time next week, Denver could be in a playoff spot. And that's that's just wild. And the thing is, I think it's it's like realistic. That's something that could happen. And you mentioned the Colts, they're six and five. They're above Denver right now in the order. And that's only a tiebreaker. I think it's a better record um, against conference opponents. And with six games to go, that definitely could change. And like you mentioned, the Colts have Gardner Minshew, who is a, a competent quarterback, but are the Colts going to be there right at the end? I don't know. Could the Broncos be? Yeah, I think the Broncos will be. So the Colts are someone, they might fade away a little bit. You mentioned Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, and you know maybe they're going to get a little bit of an uptick. It seems like their offense had just a little bit more juice after they fired their offensive coordinator. Maybe that will continue. And Buffalo, like you can never rule out the Bills, you know, getting their act together and and coming back a little bit. But as you mentioned, the Broncos already have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Bills, so that's great. If they do end up with the same record, the Broncos having a tiebreaker over them is huge. And and the Broncos, they need to get the ten win. Well. I'm saying they need to get to 10. I'm just assuming because last year, two 10-win teams made the playoffs. One 9-8 and eight team uh, won the playoffs. So I'm just assuming that 10 wins would be able to get it done. So with six games left, if they win four, you know, presumably that would be enough. And they got th- – this next uh, stretch is huge because they have three road games in a row. And those three road games, it really could determine, you know, we're saying right now they're legit, but we're really going to find out for real if they are legit, legit. Are they a true contender? Are they, you know, have a real legitimate shot of get to 10 wins? We might find out in this three game road stretch because they go at Houston to the Texans at Los Angeles to the Chargers and then at the Lions in Detroit. That that Detroit one is the biggest one that seems like obviously the hardest. But, you know, like I said, if they win four of six, they should be good. So in theory, they could lose that Lions game and still be okay because then after that, they're home against the Patriots, they're home against the Chargers, and then they wrap it up on the road against the Raiders. And again, it's a division game. Anything could happen. But the Raiders have been kind of a little bit of a mess. They now, too, have a backup quarterback. So you you would hope that the Broncos can go to Las Vegas, motivate at the end of the year with the playoffs on the line, and get a win against the Raiders. So, you know, they lose – this Texans game, if they can sweep the Chargers and hypothetically they lose to the Lions, if they take care of business against a bad Patriots team, if they take care of business against you know a not very good Raiders team, they're fine. And if they win this Texans game, they could hypothetically split with the Chargers, you know, lose the Lions, beat the Patriots, beat the Raiders, and that's 10 wins. And, and again, like nothing's guaranteed. They still have to go out and do it, but you can see a roadmap of – it's really looking feasible right now, not just the way the Broncos are playing, but also based on the, the way other teams are playing and, and quarterback situations of other teams across the AFC. Oh, there's a path. And, and John, I hate to correct you, but you keep giving the Broncos only six wins. They actually have seven. They're seven and five because the Patriots game is already I've already given them credit for that one. I think the Patriots oh, are thank you so for that correction. Yeah, the Patriots are that bad. I am a Patriots fan and boy, oh God, they are so bad. They are so bad. 
Oh, Denver. It's going to be fun playing them at home. Oh, man. Can't wait for that one. Denver is going yeah, on, to on dominate. Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. That, Christmas Merry freaking Christmas, Broncos fans. That's a W. Holy crap. But yeah, it's going to be. I mean, it better now be, Ryan, now that you say this. Now watch the you, Patriots play the game you, of their lives. No, you, you can't. The only team, I, I still don't know how. Buffalo <laughs> did lose to them, so I still don't know how, John. I mean, uh, that one. That one I'll be thinking about for the rest of the season. I still will not understand how the Patriots beat the Bills. But, uh, yeah, no, there's definitely a path and a, a big game against the Texans for a lot of reasons and, a, and an interesting one and I think a really hard game. This is going to be a tough one, and, and we'll talk about why here coming up next. But uh, real quick before we hit the break, John, uh, fan voting for the 2024 Pro Bowl opened. This is a uh, a flag football game this year. How, yep, uh, it, yeah, it's flagged just like last year. Peyton Manning coaching the AFC, Eli Manning coaching the NFC. I think I think it's kind of a fun solution to not make it just wrap up. Like it, it, flag is a different sport, but at least it's like a competitive thing. It's not mm-hmm. just guys walking around like the Pro Bowl used to be. Yeah, it makes sense too because the NFL is really pushing flag football, girls flag football at the youth and high school levels as well. It's a big push for yeah. them. You you see it during games. So. Just play flag football. Whatever the Pro Bowl was before it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It should either just be a skills competition or I'm, I'm down with the flag football. I'm not going to watch it anyway, John. But uh, the Broncos, you had an article on Broncos Wire about some of the Broncos you think should be in the mix. I have a thought on my favorite player that I'm really pulling for. I'll give it to you here coming up. But what's your, uh, what's your take on the Broncos who deserve to make it? Yeah, I think there's five guys that really have a strong case. One is Pat Sertan, and it just really goes without saying. He's one of the best corners in the NFL. Absolutely. Definitely one of the top in the AFC. So Sertan's just a given. And then Justin Simmons, you know, he has a couple of interceptions this year, 30 since he came into the NFL, more than any other player since he's been in the league. He's, he continues to play well. Uh, Marvin Mims, like, he, he hasn't been involved in offense, but I have him down as a returner. He's just – such a dynamic weapon every time he touches the ball. I definitely think he's one of the top returners in the AFC this season. And then their guard, Quinn Miners, talked a little bit about him last week. He's just playing so well. And a big part of the reason the Broncos are running the ball well is because of Quinn Miners blocking. And then Cortland Sutton, he ranks third in the NFL in touchdowns. Um, Only Tyreek Hill and I think Mike Evans. Mike Evans, I think, has one more than him. Tyreek Hill, I think, has two more. But Cortland Sutton, he's just been – he doesn't have huge receiving numbers because Russell Wilson's not putting up huge receiving numbers, but that's just a product of the Broncos passing game. Like if Peyton Manning was his quarterback, he'd be putting up Demarius Thomas numbers, but he's not. He, he's putting up respectable numbers and he's putting up huge numbers in the red zone. Like he, he keeps scoring touchdowns. He's been Mr. Reliable for Russell Wilson. And I think because he's done it a couple of times in prime time, like national football fans will take note of that and will vote for him. And, I, I have a couple honorable mentions like Russell Wilson. I don't think he's a top three quarterback in the AFC, but like I mentioned, his 20 to four touchdown to interception ratio. That is, you know, among the top in the AFC. So I'm not saying Wilson should go to the pro bowl. I just want to give him an honor, honorable mention. And then Jaquan McMillan, their slot cornerback. He's just been phenomenal. He's been such a big part of their defensive turnaround uh, playing so well in the slot. And, uh, for years and years and years, the Broncos only listed two cornerbacks uh, on the Pro Bowl ballot for fan voting. And way back when they had like Champ Bailey and another outside cornerback and Chris Harris was a young slot guy. I always thought, you know, Chris Harris was getting robbed because he wants it on the Pro Bowl ballot because he technically wants in a starter because he was the third cornerback. But with how much teams pass, 
you know, a lot of times Denver would have a third cornerback on the field. So for years, I was always like, the Pro Bowl has to have, yeah, at least give teams an option to put three cornerbacks on the ballot because a lot of times a slot guy like Chris Harris and like uh, McMillan, they they deserve the recognition, but they don't get it because they're technically not top two on the depth chart just because of the position they play. But I say all that this year, the Broncos put three cornerbacks on the Pro Bowl ballot. So they got their two outside guys and then they put McMill in their third cornerback. So you can vote for him. And, and I am voting for him, like especially as a slot corner. I think he's done a phenomenal job. And then my final honorable mention, Baron Browning, his numbers don't jump off the page because he was hurt for the beginning of the season. He's only been back the last five games and only has three sacks in those five games. But football's a lot more than just sacks from a pass rusher. Like he's generating pressure. The Broncos are 5-0 and since he came back. Uh, the Broncos defense completely turned around since he came back. He is by far their best pass rusher. And over the course of the season, I think, you know, his sack numbers will it will start to pile up a little bit more. Three and five games is not bad. It's just if someone sees, you know, Miles Garrett with 13 sacks and then Baron Browning with three sacks, they're like, why are you talking about that guy? But he has a much smaller sample size now that he's got these five games and then six games to go. I think he'll end up obviously with a better sack total, but he's just – He's made a huge, huge impact on the Broncos defense. So Wilson, McMillan, and Browning, I just want to give them a shout out. And then guys that I think definitely deserve a Pro Bowl nod, Pat Sertan, Justin Simmons, Marvin Mims, Quinn Miners, Cortland Sutton. There's my long-winded answer there for you, Ryan. <laughs> I love it. Very passionate, John. I could I could see Russell Wilson if the Broncos aren't in the Super Bowl being a guy that gets in as an alternate because nobody wants to play in it, and Russell will be happy yeah, to go play. An you know, I, sure. I, I could see that. Uh, the player I wanted to highlight off your list and you stole some of my points. How dare you, John uh, was Cortland Sutton. Uh, now I know he doesn't have the fantasy football numbers, as you mentioned, uh, but he is up there in the touchdown. Now, he's not only up there in touchdowns, like he's tied with Stefan Diggs of the bills. And as you mentioned behind Tyreek Hill and, and Mike Evans, that's it in the whole league. He's got a touchdown in all, but one of Denver's wins this season. He had a, a fourth quarter touchdown against the Bears. And now on the win streak, he had a touchdown in the third quarter against the Packers. That a game you won close game. He had a fourth quarter touchdown against the Chiefs. Helped you put it away. He had a second quarter touchdown on a fourth down play against the Bills. And he had the game winning touchdown against the Vikings. He's been, to your point, a dependable clutch player. Some of those catches were unbelievable. Uh, and he's just he deserves the recognition. I hope fans go out and vote for Cortland Sutton. I think it'd be refreshing to see a guy who's actually kind of MVP is probably too strong, but he's been one of the most valuable players on the Broncos this season. He's been one of the most valuable players during this run, and I would just love to see a guy get rewarded for that, John, for being valuable to your team and just being dependable and actually doing things that matter on the field rather than oh, he doesn't play in an offense that throws it a million times, so he doesn't have the fantasy stats, so he can't be in the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? So I hope folks go out and push for Cortland Sutton. I mean, Pat Sertan is an obvious one. Justin Simmons. I mean, Quinn Minerts is another really fun one to go vote for. I mean, who doesn't love Quinn Minerts, right? So I'm all in for him as well. Yeah, all in for him as well. Special teams guys. I mean, do we really need special teams guys on flag football? I don't know, but rooting for you, Marvin Mims. My guy's Cortland Sutton. I hope people go out and vote for him. He's been he's been awesome this year. Uh, we got a big football game to talk about. I can't wait. Broncos Texans. It's already week thirteen, December football. John, you can believe that. We'll get into all that here coming up right after the Huddle.com gives us week thirteen fantasy advice. 
Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 13. Quarterback Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos at Houston Texans. Wilson ran a season high 11 times in week 12, and he gets to take on a Texans defense that is allowing 20.8 fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. A quarterback has gone for at least 25 fantasy points in three straight against this defense, and six of the last seven contests have resulted in 21 or more fantasy points for the position. With six teams on bye, Wilson should be a fine play. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, New England Patriots versus Los Angeles Chargers. This one is short and sweet. Zeke is a reasonable flyer for a cheap touchdown against a feeble run defense in a week in which a half dozen franchises are on bye. In the last five weeks, only four teams have given up a touchdown at a higher rate than the Chargers. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson versus the Miami Dolphins. Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin has posted one fantasy-relevant day in the last five weeks, and we've seen Dotson rise in that time. The second-year receiver has a goose egg in that stretch, which cannot be overlooked, but he went for at least 10 PPR points in the other four outings, scoring three touchdowns along the way. The Dolphins have given up generally neutral numbers to the position in that same time frame, but we're looking at the seventh weakest defense at limiting wide receiver scores in relation to receptions, which was the 11th most allowed since week 7. Plus, there's a strong likelihood Washington will be forced to heave the ball all day long to keep pace. Tight end Dalton Schultz, Houston Texans versus Denver Broncos. Schultz has scored twice in the last five weeks, and his returns have been erratic, posting anything from 1.2 fantasy points all the way up to 29 in PPR scoring. The veteran's worst day with a target in 2023 came in week 12. Denver has allowed tight ends to run wild in the last five weeks. This is the second best matchup in both primary fantasy scoring systems, and all of the key fantasy metrics for scoring fall inside the top 10 in that span. Expect a big day from the former Dallas Cowboy. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. Uh, John, huge football game, as you mentioned earlier. Texans, Broncos, got the same record. They're both fighting to kind of stay in this playoff picture. Uh, give me your leadoff take. I have thoughts on this one. I think this is a tough spot for the Broncos. I, I like the Texans for a lot of different reasons. Um, but give me your take. What do you think? Do you, do you think the Broncos have a shot in this one? They were... I believe the line opened uh, at, at minus three for the Texans. I think it's moved to three and a half. So the Broncos, three and a half point dogs. Uh, what's your leadoff take on that, John? And why do you think the Broncos are three and a half point dogs? I kind of guess that odds makers looked at the Broncos five wins in a row. So hot right now. Everybody's talking about them. You know, a lot of people are now putting them in the top 10 of NFL power rankings. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like it just wasn't even imaginable back when they were one in five. But there's so much hype around them right now i kind of took it as odd makers just trying to bait people in to being like oh look this team is so good and they're underdogs we really want you to bet on the broncos to to cover this or win this because i even though the broncos are playing on the road they're just so hot i would have guessed they'd be like one point favorites but you know maybe i'm just you know those orange and blue sunglasses again. Maybe I'm just being way too overconfident in them. But Maybe. I was a little bit surprised of how much of an underdog they are, and again, a little bit surprised that the line is moving in favor of the Texans. Like I assumed that line was put like that, them just tempting people to bet on the Broncos, be like, "Oh, the Broncos are underdogs. They won five games in a row. Like, of course they're going to cover three and a half points." So I don't know. Like you said, do I think they can? Yeah, they definitely can. Will they? I don't know, because this this is a road game, maybe get a little bit overconfident. But, you know, I don't know if they will allow that to happen because, you know, every game Sean Payton's talked about how it's not good enough and stuff they need to improve on. And Russell Wilson talking about stuff they need to improve on. I really do think they have had a pretty good mentality of like, yeah, this winning streak that we're on is good. 
but we know that like we're not there yet. We know there's still work to be done. So I don't think they're going to take the Texans lightly. I mean, the Texans are a team that has the same record of them right now, you know, is a team that's also, you know, desperate for the playoffs and this game is in Houston. So I think the Broncos will take them seriously. And I think, you know, again, this is a winnable game. Are they going to win it? You know, I don't know if I would emphatically say, you know, they will, but is it winnable? Yeah. Like this is a winnable game. One they could get. Yeah, it's definitely winnable. Uh, I, I think John, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Texans lose to the Panthers? Isn't that the only Panthers win was against the Texans this year? I might have that. It might be something dumb yeah. like that. Like the Eagles only losses to the Jets, right? Yeah, and almost it's the Commanders, work. right? They like barely survived the Commanders twice. It's just weird NFL stuff. But yeah, no, I, I the Texans are a team that like dominate you. They're usually a team that like rallies in crazy fashion at the end. That's kind of how they play. Uh, but I do have a take on the line and why I think it's moving in the Texans' favor. And I think I actually think it does make sense when you look at it through. You take off the orange and blue goggles and you put on like the sports better. What what would that be? The uh, aviator shades, whatever the sports <laughs> yeah, better shades. The would Vegas be. goggles, whatever yeah, those. Yeah, are. the Vegas goggles with the like, flamingo feathers on them. Maybe that. Uh, when you look at it through the sports betting lens, John, I think it does make sense. You got a Broncos team that's won five straight, but at some point you're expecting regression in the turnover stuff, the the takeaways. I think that's the main thing that's driving money on the Texans, uh, and it's it's twofold. It's not just this, but the Browns lost three fumbles in the game on Sunday, right? So I was like, man, three fumbles. And in the sports betting world, John, that's looked at as like kind of a lucky break, right? The fumble recoveries, kind of a lucky thing. A fumble can happen for a lot of different reasons. So, okay, you got three fumble recoveries from the Browns. Let me let me go through. So I went through the win streak, John. This is very hard-hitting analysis and, um, and stat, <laughs> stat chronicling by me. Uh, you had two fumble recoveries against the Vikings, three turnovers overall. You forced four turnovers against the Bills. Two of them were fumbles. You forced five turnovers against the Chiefs. Three of those were fumbles. And you had one turnover against the Packers. It was an interception. So in your five-game win streak, you've recovered 10 fumbles. 10 fumbles, John. Uh, again, that is just not, that's not sustainable. In the sports betting world, that would be seen as positive variance more than great football. You know what I mean? And it's not to take anything away from the Broncos. I think this is just why people are hammering the Texans. And it's also because of CJ Stroud, right? He's just, he's just excellent. He's on fire. He's among the best in the league at protecting the football. I think Stroud is seventh in the league in total pass attempts, but way down the list in interceptions. He He only has five on the year, 19 touchdown passes, five picks. He's getting better every week. He's fun to watch. So you've got Denver winning with like Russell Wilson. I mean, I love the way Russell's playing. I, I totally get it. I think he's taking the coaching. He's doing what Peyton wants him to do, and it's great. He's protecting the ball. He's making crafty, timely plays with his legs, right, John? He's not turning it over. As you said, the Broncos have won the turnover battle in all five of their games that they've won here in a row, this this streak. And then he's letting his defense do its thing, and, and the defense is taking the ball away, and it's working. It's a formula that's working for the Broncos. I don't know if that formula is sustainable to go win a Super Bowl, but who knows? Uh, can you win a Super Bowl, John, with your quarterback averaging less than 200 yards per game passing? I don't, I don't know, but like the Steelers are trying to do it, right? And the Browns are going to try to do it, I guess. So the Broncos are in that group. Can they do it? Maybe. I, I don't know, but I, I do know this. C.J. Stroud leads the league in yards per game at 297. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a becoming a Broncos believer. As I said, I love the win over Cleveland. 
this Texans team worries me for a lot of reasons, though, because, you know, can the Broncos win a game where their opponent doesn't turn it over three to five times? That's what I want to see. I don't know yet. They're just getting all of this positive variance in the takeaway column. And this is such a good test, right? Because Houston has an explosive offense. The receivers are really good. Their quarterback is playing out of his mind. He's so dangerous right now. And Houston has given the football away at the fifth lowest rate in the league. Only 11 giveaways in 11 games. And I've already told you, CJ Stroud protects the ball. So this is not a Houston team that gives the football away. I think we're going to learn a lot in this game. On the road, this Houston team is explosive. I think the Broncos are going to have to score points. You know what I mean? They're going to have to play that kind of game. You can't expect to get three to five turnovers. I wouldn't expect it against this team. I wouldn't be surprised if some regression comes on Denver's side, and this one is a tough one for them to go get. I I like the Texans' side. I understand why the line's moving. And uh, if, it gets, if it gets crazy, if that line climbs to four or something, I'm like, okay, no, I'm taking the points. Denver's too hot right now. Denver's on fire. But I understand why it opened at three, and I get why it moved to three and a half because I think you're expecting that regression as a sports better, and I am kind of expecting it. I don't... I, I, I'm not sure the Texans cover the spread, but I think they win the game. I just I think all of this kind of when you put it all together into the blender and see what comes out, John, I just think it feels like a tough spot on the Texans, like artificial turf, like their explosive offense. It worries me a little bit. That's that's just my take on the game. No, I think that's completely fair. And I definitely think the turnover regression is a very, very good point because turnovers, especially fumbles like that, like you mentioned, a lot of it is just dumb luck. Like you can be aggressive and punch the ball out, but that doesn't mean your guy's always going to fall on it. So I I totally understand what you're saying of the turnover uh, rate. It's so high that seems probably unsustainable. So at some point, that's going to even out a little bit. At some point, you know, the Broncos aren't going to get a bunch of turnovers. But so long as they protect the ball themselves, you know, they they can still, you know, win games without forcing three turnovers or even forcing any turnovers as long as they're not coughing it up themselves. And they've been doing a pretty good job of that. And you control, you can control yourself not putting the ball on the ground more than you control, you know, the chances of you recovering an opponent's fumble. I think that's less fluky than something like that like you said so i get what you're saying that you know it's it's not necessarily sustainable at some point it's going to come back down to earth a little bit and that doesn't mean they can't keep you know punching the ball it doesn't mean that justin simmons is not gonna you know suddenly not be a ball hawk back there like they still have the potential to create turnovers and i think they will still keep creating turnovers but like you said at this rate that they are and at the rate they are recovering fumbles it's probably not going to stay like that over the course of the whole season. So at some point, you know, whether it slows down or whether one game, it just completely goes away at some point. Yeah. This is not sustainable for, you know, every week. It just, it just doesn't happen. So maybe this is the week that doesn't happen. I think you also made a fair point about CJ Stroud. He's been red hot. You know, he, he's the kind of guy like you wish you had in your dynasty's team and fantasy football going back to the Cortland Sutton conversation. But, you know, even though he's protected the ball so well, Justin Simmons is such a ball hawk back there, and Pat Sertan is such a lockdown cornerback, and McMillan is playing so well in the slot, and P.J. Locke is just flying around the field in the secondary making plays. Like, I do think, you know, even though Stroud is phenomenal, I do think Denver's secondary 
could give him maybe a little bit more trouble than some of the defenses he has played this year. That doesn't mean I, I'm saying you know the Broncos' defense is going to shut him down, but can they slow him down? Based on the way Denver's secondary has been playing, I think they can. And but now that I've said all of that, a couple weeks ago, you know, you mentioned it with Brandon when he was on a couple weeks ago. Brandon and I did a list predicting, you know, the the rec, or the score for all the Broncos remaining eight. At that point, it was eight games. Now we're down to six games. And I had the Broncos ending up 10 and seven. I had their two losses, a very close loss to the Texans. And then I had them losing to the Lions in Detroit. So based on that prediction that I made, I'm sticking with the Texans winning a close game in Denver, but I'm not touching anything with the line. I'm just picking the Texans to win this game. It doesn't mean that, you know, I don't think the Broncos have a chance. Like if the Broncos win this, I'm not going to be like shocked or surprised, but officially I'm going to pick the Texans to win this game. I'm I'm not going to do anything like the line. Maybe like you said, if it gets to four, then I would say, okay, then I predict the Broncos to cover that. But right now I'm with you that my official prediction is a Texans win, but I'm giving the Broncos a legitimate chance. Like they can win this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a close game in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be one of the best on the uh, on the docket. And we haven't said that in a long time for the Broncos, but Broncos-Texans, two teams really fighting for it. An interesting little game, two contrasting styles. It's not like last week against the Browns. The Texans play football in a different way. They really don't have a great run game. I mean, they're they're trying with Damian Pierce and, and Devin Singletary, but it's just not it's not the same kind of run game. Uh, you know, it's 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 a pass first heavy they put it on C.J. Stroud. He's a rookie. So, you know, he's going to have rookie moments. Can you go? Can you win some? You know, can you win some of those battles? I mean, you look down the line here, like the Texans have played some good defenses and they've struggled. They had scored nine points against the Ravens. That was in week one, though. I mean, they've struggled with the Jaguars. That's a, a division opponent. Um, well, they did last week, at least. Uh, they only scored 21 points against the Cardinals. Uh, they lost. 50, they did lose fifteen to thirteen to the Panthers, John, and they lost to the Falcons. So, it, it, and they lost to the Colts. They're a beatable team. Yeah, they lost to the Colts. So, they are a beatable team. A beatable team, but they're fun, and they've had games, plenty of games where they've scored. You know, I'm looking down the list here: 37, 30, 39, 30. You know, they, they, they score points. They put points on the board. I would, I would hope Denver is going into the game, John, ready to try to put points on the board. You know what I mean? Like they got to go out there and score. They've scored thirty points. What? Tw- well, twice, right? They they scored thirty in a loss to the Commanders. They scored thirty one against the Browns. Or I'm sorry, the Bears. Almost got there against the Browns. Twenty nine. I think they got to be up there, ready to try to score thirty. Uh, you know, there's that old adage in the NFL, or at least in Vegas, that the first team to thirty almost always wins in the NFL. The first team that could hit that thirty point mark. Broncos should be playing this game like that. I don't know if they should be trying to win 15 to 13. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some points on the board, but any other thoughts on this one, John, before we hang up, anything else you're working on on Broncos wire or the crew is working on leading up to this one? Pro Bowl stuff, Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, the senior finalists came out for the Hall of Fame on this day that we're recording. No Broncos made it. So I put up an angry list, you know, 10 Broncos players that should already be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, Pro Love Bowl. It. Love it. Players who should make the Pro Bowl, players who should make the Hall of Fame. Obviously, the TV map every week. Things that we we do like a Q and A exchange with the opposing team. So we'll get with Mark Lane of Texans Wire, ask him some questions about the Texans and Sunday's game. So all that stuff, all the pregame stuff, it will be on Broncos Wire uh, this week, leading up to the game and this weekend. Denver Texans, 
Looking forward to that. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Looking forward to it. Catch you then. Thank you.